Hello everybody, how you doing? Happy 4th of July, glad you're all with us today. Welcome on social media and uh, you know, being the 4th of July, now I'm not gonna preach a 4th of July sermon. I, I, sometimes I do, but we just go by the leading of the Lord and, and you know, when you're led of the Lord, you might preach a Father's Day message on Groundhog Day. You know, I mean, you, you, you just, we go with what the Lord's saying and, I, and wants us to cover. And so I've preached a lot of 4th of July Independence Day messages over the years. And, but, uh, you know, I was thinking about the 4th of July. One thing I did want to share, when I was a kid, uh, I, I, my dad passed away when I was seven, so this, he was still living. This was when I was five years old, and we used to get those Roman candles, you know, those Roman candles, and he'd let me hold, hold the Roman candle, and he'd light it, and then it, you know, there'd be seven or eight of them, whatever, go out. You know, that was cool. And I remember when I was five years old, 4th of July time, I was holding those Roman candles, and then when I turned six the next year, you know, he, probably dozens of them, dozen, do, dozens of them where I'd hold the Roman candle, and he'd light them, I'd hold them in my hand. Anyway... When I was six years old, the 4th of July night, we had a party over at the house. And I was six years old. There was probably 15, 20 people there. Now, I remember uh, we had baked beans. And uh, after everybody had eaten, everybody was done. They were left unattended. And I noticed uh, a a a later, I noticed after everybody was leaving, there's something moving in the beans. And some of those big bugs, beetles, got in those beans. They're moving around. I remember that. You know, it's funny how you remember things, you know. So you'll think about that this afternoon when you're eating your baked beans. <laughs> but anyway, I'd hold those Roman candles and, you know, they'd shoot out. But I'll never forget it. The 4th of July night, I'm six years old. My dad, we hadn't shot any fireworks off yet, and he had a Roman candle there, and that, those were my favorite. And, he, and I had the Roman candle in my hand, and, and he was going to light it, and he stopped. He said, he said, we're not doing this anymore. He said, you're not going to hold them anymore. And I said, but why? Why? I want to hold them. I like holding them. He said, I don't. He said we're not, you're not holding them anymore. You're not holding them. And I didn't like that, but he said, you're not holding them. I said, why? He said, I, I don't know. You're just not holding them anymore. And I remember he went over and he took that Roman candle that I was going to be holding. I'm six years old. And he put it, he affixed it in the ground somehow or other. I don't know how he did it. He affixed it somehow. And he lit the thing. There's like 20, 30 people or whatever there was. We're watching. Right? And here goes the Roman candle. First one goes out. Second one goes out. The third one, there was a stutter and the thing went, and it blew up. Wow. I mean, it exploded. It wasn't like a little bit. It was like almost like a stick of dynamite. Just, just blew up. And just think if I'd have been holding that, what would have happened? Could have lost my fingers, could have lost my hands, could have lost my eyesight for the rest of my life. I tell you what, you know, God watches out for us. He really, really does. And my dad believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, but he wasn't what you would call a spiritual man, attuned to the things of the Spirit. But I tell you what, he, the Holy Ghost was dealing with him right there because he said, I don't know why, why I got to put this one in the ground, you know, but, and then I never held another Roman candle after that. But I tell you what, you see, God has his fingerprints on a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things, doesn't he, in our lives where he protects us? And a lot of times he protects us, we don't even realize it. So anyway, so there's my 4th of July story. So hey, let's uh, continue. Thank God for his goodness and his protection. Hey, let's talk uh, about the, the kings a little bit more. We're on a series with the kings, lessons from the kings of the Old Testament. And, uh, 
Last week we covered Rehoboam, you know, he was in Judah and Jeroboam, he was in Israel. There's two Jeroboams actually and there will be another Jeroboam later that we'll talk about But as we go. But anyway, we talked about those two. Remember the Israel was a united kingdom and it divided, remember? And we talked all about that into Israel and Judah and, and, uh, and so anyway. But we concluded last week with an unnamed prophet was confronting Jeroboam, the, the king of Israel, publicly at the altar over his golden calf idol worship. You remember that. And Jeroboam, uh, remember, pointed his finger at this unnamed prophet and wanted him to be put under arrest. And remember that Jeroboam's arm froze, it paralyzed and withered. Remember that? And uh, he asked the prophet to pray for him, which he did, and his arm was immediately restored. And so shows that if we'll repent, God will forgive, you know. And when somebody points their finger at us, you know, and it's mean to us, if they repent, we ought to forgive them and pray for them, you know. And so many lessons we can learn. But then uh, Jeroboam, here's where we left off last week. He wanted uh, the prophet to come uh, to, the, to the palace or the place, whichever you want to call it, right, Bonnie? Right. And... Uh, if you don't know what that means, you can go back and watch the message from last week. But he wanted this unnamed prophet to come to the palace and eat and drink. And the prophet said the Lord had told him not to eat or drink or return the same way he came. That was what the Lord had told the prophet. And here's the interesting thing. Uh, after this uh, had happened with Jeroboam, uh, the, this prophet was approached by another older prophet. And this older prophet said to him, and go to 1 Kings 13, verse 15. 1 Kings 13, verse 15. We can learn a good lesson here. Now, this is not dealing specifically with a king, but it's dealing with somebody who dealt with a king, with Jeroboam, this young, younger prophet. And, uh, and notice what this older prophet said to him. He said, come home with me, 1 Kings 13, 15. And eat bread. And he said, he said, I cannot return with you or go with you. Uh, neither can I eat bread or drink water with you in this, in this place. For I have told, uh, for I have, now watch this. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread or drink water there, nor return by going the way you came. Now, why the Lord told him that? I don't, I don't know. I, that, but that's what God said. And if God said do it, we need to do it, you know. And, uh, and so that was the directions. But notice verse 18. And uh, the older prophet said to him, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying to him. Now, let me just read on here. Now it happened as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back and he cried out to the man of God who had came from Judah to this younger prophet saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread, drank water in the place in which the Lord said you should eat no bread and drink no water, your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your father. So it was after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled the donkey for him, the prophet whom he brought back. Who, uh, when he was gone, a lion met this younger prophet on the road and killed him. 
And his corpse was thrown on the road and the donkey stood by it. The lion also stood by the corpse. And you can read the rest of the story. The old prophet went out, got his body, buried it and so on. And, and, and what lessons here? Well, the, here's what people normally do. And I did this myself for years. I, I'm, I'm thinking this older prophet, why would he come out? Why would he lie? And then right after he lied... Then the word of the Lord came to him and then you start thinking, well, why would God, uh, you know, why would this prophet lie? And then God would, would speak to this prophet and, and you get to thinking, you know, why would God allow these things to happen and go on and whatnot? And, uh, how many of you know lying? God doesn't promote lying at all, does he? I mean, you know, but here's the thing. What people normally do with this is they get so bogged down in, the whys and the wherefores. Now there's, I mean, God's not going to tell this older prophet to lie, but the older prophet, the Bible said he lied. And, uh, but then the word of the Lord came to him. I, I, look, I've dealt with ministers. I've dealt with Christians for, for years and years and years and years and years. And I've learned this. Just because somebody says they're a Christian, just because somebody says they're a minister, just because somebody is a minister, just because somebody is a prophet, did you know they can still lie? Did you know that? They, they, I mean, they shouldn't lie. It's wrong to lie. And when I say they can lie, I, I don't mean that that they've got the permission from God to do it. I'm just saying, have you ever met a Christian that's lied to you? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I've had I've had multitudes of Christians lie to me. And so this 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 old prophet, he was a prophet. God spoke to him, but he told a lie, didn't he? And the, but but here's where people and he shouldn't have done that. But but. But, but here's the thing. I say he shouldn't have done that. I, why, Pastor? Why, why would God allow something like this? Why would he, why would, why would this old prophet tell this lie? Why would, why would, why, why would that happen? Why would then God speak to this guy? What, it's almost like a game is being played with this young man and why, why, why? And I tell you what, I spent years on the whys, the whys, the whys, the whys, and you missed the whole lesson of the story. Have you ever heard about missing the forest for the trees? So get, stop thinking about the whys and why, why did this, why did that, why did the other. Here's the lesson of the story. The lesson is this, obey God completely and totally and let no one, no matter who they are, what title or credentials they hold, or what they base their authority on, let no one talk us or persuade us out of doing exactly what God has told us to do. That's the lesson. That's what we need to take away from this. Not, well, why did, why did he lie? Why did God then speak to him? Why, why, why? No, no. I mean, I mean, those may be legitimate questions, but the lesson is this young man was told by God to do a certain thing. Is that, is that correct? And, uh, and he didn't ultimately believe God, did he? He let somebody that came to him with credentials talk him out of what God had told him to do. You understand that? He, 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 he let somebody, let me say that again. He let somebody come to him. I mean, God told him, don't, don't eat, don't drink, don't go home that, that certain way. But he let somebody come to him with certain credentials. You know, just because somebody says they're a prophet doesn't mean they are. Now, this guy, the Bible calls him a prophet, so he was. But 
but you know, just because somebody calls themselves something don't mean that they are. And just because somebody may be a legitimate prophet or whatever, they can still be uh, messing up. Is that right? And, and, and somebody can come to you and watch this. Somebody can come to you and say, God told me such and such to tell you. Now, this used to happen years ago in the charismatic circles back into the 70s and 80s and so forth. I don't know if it goes on anymore, but I tell you what, it was running rampant in charismatic churches. Somebody would come up to you, you know, after the service or before a service or in the parking lot or in the bathroom or somebody. And, and they'd say, the Lord said this, to, told me to tell you this. Or I had this dream or I had this vision or this angel appeared to me and here's what he told me to tell you. I tell you what, you've got to be real careful with all of that. Even the minister standing behind the pulpit who you have confidence in, if they say to you, if I say to you, the Lord told me to tell you, you've got to be real careful with all of that. You've got to be sure it lines up with, with what God's told you. You've got to be sure, first of all, that it lines up with the Bible, right? I mean, if it's not lined with the Bible, it can't be from God. Then you've got to be sure if it lines up with the Bible that it also bears witness with your heart, Right? And I don't care who, I don't care who tells you what they tell you, what angel they said appeared to them, what, what revelation, what dream they had. You need to be careful with all of that. Now God can speak through an angel. He can speak through a dream. He can speak through a prophet. He can speak through a pastor. He can speak through a fellow believer. He can do that. But if he does, it will never violate his holy written word and it will never violate your heart. You understand that? And I don't care what kind of credentials somebody may have or say they have, you need to be very, I'm not telling you to be, be suspicious of everybody, but I'm just telling you for your own safety to be cautious. Because so many people have sh got shipwrecked in their life because they listened to so-and-so who said that they had certain credentials and that, that they had a dream, a vision, or an angel appeared to them, or they heard from God, or God spoke to them, and they tell you to do something and you do it, and it messes you up. And I've watched that over the many years. That's the lesson of this story. This young man was told by God, when you go there, don't eat, don't drink, and, uh, 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 and go home a different way. And if he would obey God, that lion wouldn't have eaten him. Is that right? Yes. That lion wouldn't have eaten The Bible says the devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So if we don't listen to God, the devil's out there, he'll, he'll devour us. We need to find out what God's told us and stick with it and don't let anybody talk us out of it. Or persuade us out of it. Do you understand that? And, uh, and, and, and that's the lesson here. And this young man did, if he'd have just, if he'd have just said, you know, hey, I don't care. The king tried to get me to, to go off of the word of God. Now this prophet, see, the king couldn't get him to go off the word of God, but the prophet came and said, oh, an angel uh, appeared to me. An angel told me by the word of the Lord. See, and that convinced this guy, well, this old prophet, he must know what he's doing. You know, I've gotten in trouble. I've gotten in trouble over the years going by. Well, this guy should. I think he ought to know what he's doing. Have you ever gotten in trouble listening to somebody where you thought, well, they ought. They've been doing this all, all these years. They ought to know what they're doing. A lot of times they don't. So if this young man would have just said, you know, this is what God told me. I'm not going to let the king, the prophet, the angel, nobody talk me out of it. He just he just stayed alive, wouldn't he? He wouldn't have got eaten by that lion. Cost him his life, didn't it? Didn't it cost him his life? Absolutely. 
So the less, and, and what did the Apostle Paul said? He said to the church in, in uh, the, the, uh, Gala- the churches of Galatia, you know, and whatnot, in the book of Galatians, he said, but even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And then he said it again, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then what you have received, let him be accursed. Remember him saying that in, in Galatians? So, Find out what God's told you to do. Stick with it and don't let anybody sway you off of it. All right? Yeah. And that's the lesson of this, uh, uh, of this young prophet. Okay? All right. Now, that being said, let's, uh, let's go over and talk about uh, the kings now. Let's continue with the kings. Now, again, remember, after Israel was divided from the United Kingdom into Israel and Judah, uh, remember, Judah had 20 kings. Judah had 20 kings. Six did right. Twelve did evil, and two did right in youth, but evil in old age. you got to watch it as you get old, that your heart doesn't become hardened, and you turn away from the Lord. That's one of the biggest lessons that, that I want you to get out of this whole series, is that you got to be watchful as you get older, that you don't let your heart become hardened towards God and the things of God, and mess up. And we see some of these kings doing that. They'll do Solomon, he did right when he was young. But as he got older, you know, remember we talked about how his wives drew him away from the Lord and apparently his heart, had, there was a change that he had in heart and ultimately he repented. But you see, you see this with these different kings, some of them, that they're doing right when they're young, but as they get older, they get off track. And you got to watch that. That's a lesson we need to learn. That as we get older, don't let your heart become hardened and, 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 and toward the Lord get off track, you see. But anyway, they had 20 kings in Judah, six did right, 12 did evil, and two did right in youth, but evil in old age, right? In Israel, there were 19 kings, and listen to this, all of them did evil except one, and that one was had a mix of good and evil. I mean, God warned them, the people, about a king, didn't he? And it was never his perfect will. And he told them what the kings would do, and most of them were evil, you know? And, uh, and just thought I'd point that out. But anyway, in Israel, we had Jeroboam, we covered him, talked about him. He was the first king of Israel after they divided. And then after him, there was uh, Nadab, Basha, Elah, Zimri, and Omri. I'm glad I'm not named any of those names. That's a lot different than Peter and, uh, and, and Greg and Bobby and Cindy and Marsha and, and Jan, right? Brady Bunch, or Gilligan, Skipper, Marianne. Ginger, Mr. and Mrs. Howell. Anybody know what Mr. Howell's first name was? Thurston. Thurston. And what was his wife? They called her Lovey. Is that right? But anyway, Nadab, Basha, Elah, Zimri, Omri. Okay. These were kings uh, of Israel after Jeroboam. And I'm not going to cover them because we could, but there's just not really a, a lot of material on them. And, and I don't think any really worthwhile spending time in this series. They all did evil. But then the next one was Ahab. Have anybody ever hear Ahab and Jezebel? And do you think he did evil or good? Well, he did evil. The Bible says he did evil. And, and even when kings do evil, sometimes you can find some some maybe some good things. There was some repentance that he had. We'll talk about it at a later time. But overall, he was evil. The Bible says, and uh, uh, and Jezebel, and we're going to cover him, old Ahab. 
Uh, I've got a lot to say about him. So we're going to, we're not going to cover these other ones, but we're going to say a lot about Ahab. But then Judah, remember they had Rehoboam and then there was Ab- Abijah. Not going to say much about him. Those were both evil. But Asa was the next king and we're going to talk about him today. We're going to at least start him today. And he was the third king of Judah. He was the son of Abijah and the grandson of Rehoboam. We covered Rehoboam at length. He was the grandson of Rehoboam. And Asa, his name means healer or restorer. And, and, and we'll see that he was a good king. He did right. Uh, now, at the end of his life, there were some things he could have did better or could have done better. But uh, but overall, he was a good king and his reign was 41 years in Judah. And it was concurrent with the reigns of those uh, uh, above uh, the above mentioned kings, the ones I just mentioned, you know, uh, uh, Jeroboam, Nadab, Basha, Elah, Zimri, Omri, and Ahab. He's reigning over, Asa's reigning over in Judah while these guys are reigning over in Israel, okay? And, and so concurrently, and there's, and so on and so forth. Um, and, and, and there was a bit of overlap with Jeroboam, and he overlapped Ahab's reign a little bit, you know, and so forth. So, and that's how we're going to cover this. We'll do some kings of Israel, then we'll do some kings of Judah, and kind of go back and forth. But today I want to talk about Asa. Now, as soon as Asa took the throne, he instituted a series of spiritual reforms, all right? Uh, a bunch of spiritual reforms. You know, the United States could use some spiritual reforms, couldn't it? And, uh, and he went from town to town throughout the land. Now listen to this guy. His name means healer or restorer. And when he takes the throne, he instituted a series of spiritual reforms. He went from town to town throughout the land, removing pagan altars and shrines and prohibiting the sins associated with them, and he restored proper worship of the Lord. And couldn't we use a dose of that here in the United States? This is not a 4th of July message, but isn't it interesting how God will have me on this right here? And already we've got something that pertains to the United States and the the independence that that, that that we enjoy. Uh, we need reform in this nation. We need a restoration of, of the Word of God and the preaching of the Word of God and the moving of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, but, uh, uh, but, but that's what he, he, that's what he did. Now, 2 Chronicles 14, let's read some verses here. 2 Chronicles 14, verse 1 says that Abijah or whatever, Abijah, that was his father, rested with, rested with his fathers. That means that he died. And they buried him in the city of David. Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days, the land was quiet for 10 years. Now watch this. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Okay. For he reformed the altars. uh, I'm sorry. He removed, not reformed. He removed. He removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places. These high places were pagan shrines and that were set up to worship idols. He removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. So he removed the idolatry from the land. And we'll see, he, did, he didn't get all of it, but he got a lot of it. And, uh, and that was a good thing. And in, in, if you hold your place there, 1 Kings fifteen twelve tells us something else. 1 Kings 15, 12 says, he banished the perverted persons from the land. And if you study into that, the perverted persons, 
Those were male temple prostitutes or sodomites or homosexuals. He ridded the land of homosexuals. Now you think about that. I mean, he, he, he did away with homosexuality. He outlawed it. Now, if this nation, the United States, ever wants to be all that God wants it to be, homosexuality is going to have to be done away with. It's going to have to be outlawed. It's going to have to be removed. And until or unless it, it is, the judgment of God pens on this nation and will ultimately visit this nation like you've not seen heretofore. Now, 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 you just think about it a little bit. Uh, if, 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 if anybody in, in politics really rose up and tried to remove homosexuality from this nation, do you think they'd get shouted down in a big way? Would they? Absolutely. Sad to say. Now, God loves homosexuals, but he hates the sin. And when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and get saved, you've got to leave that lifestyle. Because it's a sinful lifestyle. The Bible says homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible also says drunkards won't inherit the kingdom of God. We need to be careful as, 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 as ministers of the gospel that we don't just pick on the sexual sins and let the gossipers and the backbiters off. Amen. Is that right? Because the Bible says all of that's wrong. But I'm just telling you in this nation, I mean, abortion is going to have to be outlawed. If you want the blessing of God full on this nation... Abortion's gonna have, Roe versus Wade must be overturned. It's gonna have to be done away with. Homosexuality is gonna have to be done away with. That same sex marriage law or whatever has got to be reversed. And God's gonna have to be welcomed back in the public school and public square. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of people have walked away from me, uh, from attending this church because I preach like this, but that's the word of the Lord. I'm gonna stick with the word of the Lord. I let people walk away from me all day long. I'm going to stick with the word of the Lord. And unless and until homosexuality is done away with in this nation, the judgment of God will pend on it. And ultimately will visit it in a way like you've never seen heretofore. You understand that? And that's what he did. He came to power and he did away with idolatry. He did away with homosexuality. He removed, notice verse 12, that he removed all the idols that his fathers had made. Now, isn't that wonderful? You see, he's bringing reform. Actually, this is, uh, this is revival, actually, what is going to spark revival in the land. And notice back to uh, 2 Chronicles 14.4. 2 Chronicles 14.4. He commanded Judah... Now, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. That's a good thing. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord. I tell you what, a key to success in life is seeking the Lord with all of your heart. That's another lesson you're going to learn as we go through these kings over the next weeks. That, that the ones that sought the Lord prospered and the ones that didn't seek the Lord didn't prosper. And uh, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord, uh, God of their fathers, talking about God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to observe the law and the commandment. That's talking about, you know, the law of Moses and the Ten Commandments and so on. How many of you know the Ten Commandments have been thrown out of the public school schools here in the United States? Is that right? Prayer's been thrown out. Uh, Ten Commandments been thrown out. And uh, then people wonder why there's so many shootings and so many this and so many that and all this other tragedy and all this stuff going on. It's because God's been thrown out of the public school, the public square, and, and, and the Ten Commandments have been thrown out. The 
Prayer's been thrown out. And when God leaves, light leaves. I said, when God leaves, light leaves. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And uh, they didn't just ask him to leave. They booted him out back in the 60s. That right into the 70s. Is that right? Absolutely. And, uh, and things have never been the same in this nation since. You know, you understand that? I mean, the nation's never been perfect. But I tell you what, I'd rather live in the United States than any other place. How about you? But I tell you what, there's been a marked change from the 60s to the present hour. And it's because of what I just said. God's been thrown out of the public school, the public square, and so forth. Notice verse 5. And he, Asa, also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah, and the kingdom was quiet under him. So uh, he is talking about he got rid of all the, all the idols and the idol worship and all that. He got rid of all that. And, and then there was, there was peace. That's what you want. You want peace, don't you? Yeah. And, uh, and he built, verse 6, and he built, forti- he built fortified cities in Judah for the land had rest. And he had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore, he said to Judah, let us build these cities and make walls around them and towns and gates and bars while the land is, is, is yet before us because we have sought the Lord our God. Now, notice this. Why, why is all this happening? All these good things. Because we sought the Lord our God. Uh, we have sought him. And he has given us rest on every side, so they built and prospered. If you want to build and prosper in your life, you need to seek the Lord and do what's right. And that's what they were doing here. And then it's interesting, something happens, and I I, I just think this is very interesting. Um, An army came up against Asa. An army came up against Asa. And it 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 was a vast army, an enemy army. And, and they were outnumbered by, I think it was better, almost two to one. And this army was far superior, far superior in their military capability. They had chariots and whatnot. And they were, I mean, Asa and Judah was really no match for this army that was going to come against them. But let's watch what happens here. Second Chronicles 14, 8. And Asa had an army. Now, it's going to tell us about his army. He had an army of 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears and from Benjamin. Remember, Judah was really comprised of Judah and Benjamin. And from Benjamin, 280,000 men who carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. Then look at verse 9. Then Zerah the Ethiopian. Now, here's the enemy. Zerah the Ethiopian came out against Asa with an army of a million men and 300 chariots. And really, when you study into this, now it's a million, but you really get into the original language. There could have been more. It was a vast horde. And, and when it says uh, 300 chariots, uh, that was a big deal. That was a big deal. Um, it, it, these, I mean, <laughs> that was a big deal. It'd be, like, uh, it'd be like if we had a little musket and somebody was coming at us with a tank. You know what I'm talking about? And so, so Asa and, and, and Judah, they were in trouble. They were in bad trouble because this army far outnumbered them and they had greater uh, uh, weaponry and whatnot. And, uh, and they're in trouble. Now it's interesting, before we read on, go to Deuteronomy 20 verse 1. Go to Deuteronomy 20 verse 1. Uh, this would do you good just to write this down. Uh, this, this was given back, you know, prior to the kings coming on the scene and, and they were uh, 
Israel was given a warning what to do when you're uh, facing a, a, an insurmountable situation. And it, it's a lesson we all ought to learn. Notice this, Deuteronomy 20, verse 1. When you go out to battle against your enemies, have you ever gone out to battle against, you know, maybe a sickness, maybe a disease, whatever it is, whatever. When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. That's good advice, isn't it? For the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So shall it be when you are on the verge of battle, that the priest shall approach and speak to the people and shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart be faint. Do not be afraid and do not tremble or be terrified because of that army that's coming against you that outnumbers you, that's more powerful than you. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Now that's good, isn't it? Amen. It'd be good to come to church just to get those four, four verses. That's some good advice, isn't it? Now with that said, let's go back to Second Chronicles 14.10 and let's see what Asa does. He's got this massive army uh, from Ethiopia coming against him to destroy him and his people there in Judah. So Asa went out against him, and they set the troops in battle array in the valley of Zephtabalah. And you can read it. <laughs> Interesting names there. And now watch this, verse 11. And Asa cried, now here's what you need, lesson you need to learn. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said. Now I'm confident he had Deuteronomy 20, those four verses we just read in his heart. And here's what he said. This army's coming against him. They're outnumbered two to one, maybe more. You know, greater military power. And Asa cries out to the Lord his God and says, Lord, it is nothing for you to help whether the many are with those who have no power. Other versions say it this way. Lord, it's nothing for you to help the powerless against the mighty. And that's what we need to remember. It's nothing for God to help the powerless against the mighty. See, Judah was powerless, really, against this mighty Ethiopian army. And, and, and Asa cries out to God, and he said, Lord, it's nothing for you. And, and you ought to underline that it's nothing for you. Now, it's a big deal for Asa. It's a big deal for Judah, but it's nothing for the Lord. Whatever you're facing, it's a big deal to you. Whatever you're facing, an enemy army, something that's more powerful than you are, it's a big deal to you. It's going to beat you. It's going to destroy you. It's going to eat your lunch. It's going to kill you. It's a big deal to you. But it's nothing to God. And that's the lesson you need to take away. It's nothing to God. Remember, compare your problem not against yourself, but compare your problem up against God. Your problem up against yourself, it's a big deal. But your problem up against God is no big deal at all. It's nothing for him. And that's what Asa did. He said, Lord, it's nothing for you to help. It's nothing. It's no big deal for you. Hey, that's a big bad army to me. I'm in trouble. But to you, that's nothing. See, that's the kind of attitude we need to cultivate in our hearts and in our lives. Because we're all going to have enemies come against us. We're all going to have things that come against us that we can't beat, that we can't defeat. But we need to weigh that problem not against ourselves, but against the Lord. That's what David did when he faced Goliath. Remember, he didn't measure Goliath up against himself. He measured Goliath, the giant, up against God. 
So David in and of himself couldn't defeat Goliath, but it was no, Goliath was no match for God and David won because of that attitude and other things that he did, of course. And the same thing's true here. You see it again and again. And this is what Asa is doing. He said, Lord, it's nothing for you. This is no big deal. Big deal to me. It's no big deal to you. He said, it's no big deal to you to help the powerless against the mighty. And then he says, help us. Now, that's good to come just to get that. Help us. I think the greatest prayer in the Bible, shortest prayer is help. Just cry out to God, help, you know. Help. I've watched God answer that prayer a lot quicker than I've, answered, than I've watched him answer these long, drawn-out prayers that people pray to impress other people, you know. God doesn't tend to answer those, but when somebody just with a good and right heart says, Oh, God, help me. I tell you what, that'll get the job done if it comes from a pure heart. And he said, help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on we rest on you. I mean, I'm starting right now to feel real sorry for Zerah and the Ethiopian army, aren't you? I'm feeling bad for them because they're going to get they're going to get their clock cleaned, aren't they? Because they're coming up against the people that's trusting in almighty God. And. uh and Asa said, uh, we rest on you. He said, uh, let me just, I want to read it again. It just, it just blesses me. Let, let, let's finish verse 11. Uh, let, let me read it again. Asa cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, it's nothing for you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord, our God. We rest on you and in your name, we, and in your name, see, we go against this multitude. I mean, I mean, the Ethiopian army, they're dead men right now. I mean, it's over. I mean, it's, they don't have a chance. Yeah, but, but Asa's out number two to one and they got, and, and, and Ethiopia has greater military might. Uh, they don't have any kind of military might compared to what God has. His chariots of fire, those angels, those warring angels. Ethiopia is in trouble right here. They should have, they should have turned around and went back, you know. They didn't know. They're, anyway, they're coming against God's people. It's a dangerous thing to come against somebody that's serving the Lord. And, uh, O Lord, our God, we rest on you. And in your name, we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. You see, Asa is seeing that this is not a fight between him and Ethiopia. He's seeing that this is a fight between Ethiopia and God. See that? So the Lord, here we go. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah and the Ethiopians fled. Well, you knew that was coming. You you didn't even have to read on. You knew that was going to happen. And Asa and the people were, um, were with him. uh, And Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to Gerar. So the Ethiopians were overthrown and they could not recover. Isn't that something? I mean, God just shellacked them. You know, you know what I mean? For they were broken before. Now they were broken before. Now watch this. The Lord and his army. Asa's army didn't have anything really to do with it. It was the army of the Lord. Those chariots of fire. Remember when, uh, when I think it was Elisha was outnumbered. Remember that? And he was surrounded. I think it was by the Assyrians. Remember that? And the young, his young servant said, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We're surrounded. We're surrounded. What are we going to do? And, and Elisha prays and said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And God opened his eyes and he saw over in the spirit realm. And, and there were chariots of fire. And, and those that be, were, were with them were more than was with the enemy. How many remembers that? 
Absolutely the truth. And so uh, I tell you what, if you're fooling with God and his army, you're fooling with the wrong man. You're fooling with the wrong, wrong person. And, and it, notice it was his army. Now, I understand that Judah, uh, they had an army and, and that was considered the army of the Lord. But I think this is talking about chariots of fire. I think this is talking about uh, God's angels, warring angels. Did you know there's warring angels? Now, did you know that some angels are just communication angels? They, they work in a communication department. But you know there's some warring angels. Did you know that? Absolutely. Do you know there's some angels that just deal with worship in heaven? Did you know that? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's different, there are different classes of angels. Different angels do different things and some commun- communication. Some, uh, some deal with worship and some are warring angels. Now, you don't have to fool with those. With those warring angels, I tell you what. And uh, uh, I mean, you take one of God's warring angels can wipe out hundreds of thousands of men just like that. You understand that? And so uh, they were broken before the Lord and his army and they carried away. Now, God's people carried away much spoil. You know what I mean by that? They got got all their goods of the Ethiopian army and they defeated all the cities around Gerar. Uh, um, and for the fear of the Lord came upon them and they plundered all the cities for uh, there was exceedingly much spoil in them and they also attacked the livestock enclosures and carried off sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem so uh, Ethiopia Zerah he went back with his tail between his legs didn't he you know what I mean by that I mean he just got whipped he got God spanked him and spanked him good and uh, thank God God's bigger than anything we ever face is that right well, I got half of Asa done. I got half of Asa done. I've got, I've got my other, I got, I had four pages of notes on him and I got half of them done. And it's five after 11 and it's the 4th of July. It was four after 11 on the 4th of July. So I tell you what experience has taught me and I feel peace with it. Uh, I think we'll stop right here and pick up next week with Asa and finish him up and then move to Ahab. What do you say? Is that okay? All right. God bless you. Hey, if you're out there on social media and you never received Jesus as your Savior, you need to do that. The Bible says if you'll repent of your sins, call on the name of the Lord, name of the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. So do that right now. You'll miss hell, you'll make heaven, and God will make your life worth living in the meantime. Happy Fourth of July. God bless you. See you next time. Bye-bye.